NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former MLB third baseman Adrian Beltre and whether or not he deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a moment to discuss Beltre's career and Hall of Fame candidacy is director of product at Sports Reference and longtime friend of the pod, Adam Dorarski. Before I bring Adam on, let's talk a little more about Adrian Beltre. So Adrian Beltre is on the ballot for the very first time this year. And let's be honest, everyone. We're not going to beat around the bush. This, this guy is an all-time great. He played 21 MLB seasons, 1998 to 2018, age 19 to 39, he was in the MLB. And over the course of his career, he won five gold gloves, made four all-star teams, and won four silver sluggers. He played in 2,933 games. You're asking yourself, that sounds like a lot. It is a lot. 15th all-time in games played. He had 11,068 at-bats. That's ninth all-time in MLB history. He put up a 93.5 career war, which is 27th all-time among position players, and had a 27.0 defensive war, which is good for 15th all-time, second all-time among third basemen. He's a part of the 3,000 hit club, 3,166 career hits. It's 18th all-time. Slugged 636 doubles. That's 11th all-time. 477 home runs, 31st all-time and 1,707 RBIs, which is good for 25th all-time. He had a 286 career batting average with a 116 OPS+. plus. His on-base percentage was actually pretty low, and Adam and I will talk about this. 339, so did not walk much. Had a 480 uh, slugging percentage and a .819 OPS. Now, Beltre, you know, obviously those hitting numbers are out of the park. It's very lame, but they were out of the park numbers there, all-time numbers. At third base, one of the best third basemen of all time, he won five gold gloves, beat 168 total zone runs at third base, which is good for second all-time. Now, Betray never won an MVP award, but he was runner-up for the 2004 NL MVP. Uh, that year, he led the NL in home runs with 48. And he also led the league in doubles, the NL in doubles, in 2010 with 49. And one last fact about Beltre, if that all wasn't enough, was he hit for the cycle three different times in his career. Only one of six players to do that. So Adam and I are going to talk about Beltre's career today. We're going to talk about where he ranks among the best third baseman of all time. We're going to talk about where he ranks among the best defensive third baseman of all time. And a lot more about this all-time greats Hall of Fame candidacy. And again... This podcast is all about talking who should be and who shouldn't be. This is not a spoiler here. I think you know when you downloaded and started listening to this episode today, Beltre is a Hall of Famer, but he deserves a legacy pod, and that's kind of what this is. We're going to talk about his legacy. We're also going to talk about what percent of the vote we think he's going to get because Beltre is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer this year. So I hope that's not a spoiler. I hope you're not surprised. Maybe you download this like, I can't believe Jim's doing this. There's no question. You're right. There is no question. This is an all-time third baseman. And Adam, I really just are talking about his legacy, but also how it compares to the other candidates on this 2024 ballot. So we have a great episode for you today. If you are listening on Christmas Day today, Merry Christmas if you celebrate. I hope you are having a great holiday. I feel honored if you're listening to this on your holiday on Christmas, but um, if you're listening later in the week, again, I hope you had a great Christmas, a great holiday. Um, if you're, if you are listening today, like, thank you so much for including me as part of your holidays. I hope you got a lot of great presents. I hope you have a great meal coming up. Maybe you're on the car on the way to your, your family's house. Maybe you're just at home, a couple drinks in and want to hear about baseball, whatever it is. Again, appreciate you spending your holidays with pot of fame. I hope it's been great. I hope it continues to be great. And I hope if you're traveling, you are being safe. Um, but with the quick facts out of the way, it's time to bring on Adam. Enjoy this podcast. And again, happy holidays. All right. So I'd like to welcome 
to the podcast today, director of product at Sports Reference and a longtime friend of this podcast, Adam Dorarski. Adam, welcome back. How have you been? I've been pretty good, Jim. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So, Adam, this is usually the time of year we talk probably the most, and mm-hmm. it is Baseball Hall of Fame season. Uh, the ballot was released recently. Um, we are recording this in November, but by the time this is released, it'll be well into December. Um, but we are talking about, I would say, the headliner of the 2024 class, the new big name on the ballot, and that is former MLB third baseman Adrian Beltre. And today we're going to talk about his career, his Hall of Fame candidacy, and, and probably just his overall legacy as a, you know, all-time baseball player. And Adam, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording. We usually have you on this podcast for the the Gene Tennises of the world. <laughs> um, Adrian Beltre, a, a little different kind of guy, but uh, I think you were due for a candidate most people talk about instead of a candidate that maybe is only in the deepest corners of baseball Twitter or Hall of Fame chatter. But Adrian Beltre, a major name, uh, a lot of buzz about him right now, and he's being talked about, which is why I'm so excited to talk to you about him tonight. So, Adam, you've been on this podcast plenty of times. I think you know how this works, but my first question is usually to ease us in. But when you think of Adrian Beltre, or his name came up, you know, around Hall of Fame season now, I guess when you think of him, what's the first thing that's come to your mind? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You mentioned like the previous episodes I tend to do. They're like the guys that you got to think about statistically and, you know, alter your traditional thinking a little bit. Well, this is not one of those. Like the first thing I think of when I hear Adrian Beltre's name, like I'm not even reaching for stats here. I'm thinking the smile, the joy he brought to the game. This guy lit up everything. I loved watching him play. Like this was one of my like, very, very favorite players of all time. So I'm excited to talk about him. And, you know, he just, I don't know, he exuded joy on the, on the, on the field every time he played. And uh, yeah, I, I, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Just, he, he was so energetic, of course, an incredible player, but the smile, the dugout antics, the, the other antics I'm sure we'll get to, but uh, he was just so much fun. So he was fun for a very long time, right? Starts in the 90s and plays all the way up almost into the 2020s, 21-year um, career. You know, a very balanced career in terms of all the different destinations he played. You know, eight years in Texas, seven years for the Dodgers where he came up, five years in Seattle during the middle of his career, and then that one year in Boston. I guess, Adam, when he comes to mind, is there a hat or uniform he's in for you when you think of him? I, I think it's going to have to be Texas. Like the, the career is really interesting. So it, yes. it starts like super young. He's signed at 15. Turns out like the rules are broken to get him signed at 15. The Dodgers have their, their, uh, their Academy in, in the Dominican Republic suspended for a year. Um, there's some questions of whether they'll actually lose Beltre, the player, they don't end up losing him, but uh, uh, yeah, he, he has a, a few, okay somewhat disappointing years in la then has that huge contract year goes to the mariners does not have a very successful uh run there when you i guess stepping back a little bit he's a weird candidate i'll say that his, his his candidacy like over time you know you've started to see maybe a decade into his career some of the total stat nerds were like I think we have an underrated player here. This guy should be talked about as a, a, you know, maybe not Hall of Fame level at that point yet. But even when he was with the Mariners, there were people in the stat world saying, you know, keep an eye on this guy. He's he's much better than his numbers are showing. And then he goes to Boston and it just blows up. And he has this incredible year that he then turns into a, a huge contract with the Rangers there were a lot of people who thought that that was very risky, but no, it, it was, he likes playing in hitters parks. Fenway park was a great place for him. Safeco was terrible for him. And then when he went to Texas, he just thrived. And somewhere in his Texas career is when he went from a kind of hipster Dorowski type hall of fame candidate into like, literally everybody is saying 
this guy's a hall of famer. And, you know, some of that has to do with the big numbers that he hit. He had got the 3000 hits. He approached the 500 home runs, didn't quite get there, but it's a uh, really interesting how he, it was like a, a, a slow crescendo of a career, so to speak. I, I, so I was trying to figure out a way to describe this and I don't love where I landed, but I almost called his career just for me because he played my entire life. Like this is a player, like a lot of players we've talked about, Adam, they played before I was born. So I, you know, I can speak to talking to different individuals that saw them. I can speak to film I've watched or highlights I've watched, but this is a guy I saw his entire career. I, I remember when he came up as a 19 year old in 1998 as a kid, because that was that first year I got into baseball I remember how highly touted of a prospect he was. And of course he played my entire life as I grew up to, to fall in love with the game and really understand the game. But I almost call him, his baseball career was, he, he was kind of a late bloomer in terms of getting on the, the radar of everyone. But I almost call him like a Michael Myers baseball career where every time you think Michael Myers is dead, he comes back in another movie and he's almost stronger. And, and that's the kind of career, like he was on the Dodgers. He comes in as a phenom. And he, he shows signs of like he's going to be good, but they're just kind of mediocre. And as you said, boom, at age 25, he hits 48 home runs. Goes Seattle, has some mediocre seasons. Boom, goes to Boston, makes his first all-star game at the age of 31. Mm -hmm. Never made an all-star game with Seattle or the Dodgers. 31's his first all-star game. Always good with his glove. Didn't win his first gold glove until Seattle at the age of 28, mostly because Scott Rowland was winning him in the National League. And didn't, re you know, he the gaps in which he started something and ended something like won his first gold glove at 28, won his last gold glove at 37, got MVP votes for the first time at age 25, finished seventh in 2016 at the age of 37. This was a guy where anytime he had a slow start or he started to fade, you're like, is this it for Beltre? And then he comes back a couple of years later and has another kind of MVP caliber season and he just, the consistency from start to finish, like usually when players play this long, right, Adam, their, their slash line starts to take a hit as they get older, um, their numbers take a hit and you're like, okay, you know, at his peak, he did this, but because he played so long, his career numbers actually like lagged. If you look at Beltre, I mean, his mid thirties are, are kind of his peak seasons where he's mm. consistently slugging. Um, making all-star appearances, MVP appearances, gold gloves better than ever. His peak is really from the age of 31 through 38. His whole 20s were just kind of him trying to figure everything out, which in baseball is just, it's and honestly, any sport, it's not common. He's kind of an outlier there. Right. Like when you said that he, you know, he would kind of die and come back, then he got to Texas and he just didn't die. Like he didn't just die. kept, Texas was kept where playing. Yeah, Texas was where it really took off. Like stepping back to like the well, I guess we'll go all the way back to the Dodgers. Like he was very young when he came up and then he had a couple really really promising years. And then he had this like appendectomy with like a really really terrible infection and to hear him t talk about his he says that he was close to death during this this stage and it sapped a lot of uh, his his uh you know, his utility for like an entire season, then, you know, the contract year, he, he blows up. I mean, this is, what is it? A, like a 9.4 war season or something like that. Yep. Uh, in, in 2004, 9.6 mega season, oh. 48 oh. home runs. <laughs> only missed and, out on MVP. Cause that's the year Barry Bonds had 232 walks. That That's the only reason right. he missed out on the MVP that year. And when we say that Adrian Beltre wasn't an all-star until his thirties, you know, this is a guy who had a 334, 48 home run, 121 RBI season, and he wasn't an all-star. Like, yes. what the hell else has he got to do to be an all-star? I mean, this is unbelievable. He did get the silver slugger. He was number two in MVP. He, you know, he was incredible in the second half, but his first half numbers still screamed all-star. And then the Mariners, it's so interesting, like that, that five-year span with the Mariners, because he had a, a league average OPS plus, hit 266, his OBP was 317 there. But his war totals were 3.2, 5.4, 3.8, 5.6, 3.3. Still an all-star level player by mm -hmm. war. And a huge part of that is 
some of the uh, ballpark adjustments for the the hitting, but the big thing is the defense. That's when he really, really blossomed, and he started winning gold gloves for it too. And that season in Boston uh, just totally turned everything around because he did the defense and the offense all at the same time. That led to almost an eight-war season. He was number nine in MVP. Uh, and you mentioned that th- those Texas years, age 32 to 37, I, I drew up a couple of lists. And from age 32 to 37, all time, he's 13th in war all time from in those those wow. uh, mid-30s there and 19th all time in hits. And, you know, even from there, he still had, you know, I, I siphoned off those years, but he had a 7.8 war season on the front end of it. And then even after it, he had a 3.8 and a 1.5. So his thirties are very strange. Like, uh, I don't know, some of his, you mentioned the the OPS plus numbers not dropping at the end of his career. If anything, they were going up. That reminds me a little bit of like Lou Whitaker, how he ended his yeah. career. His, yeah. uh, his offensive trajectory was going up at the end, but yeah, it's, it's relatively unique though. I kind of compare him a little bit to Zach Granke too, where yeah. the individual seasons weren't, uh, eye-popping there were some here and there but as he's progressed in his career all of a sudden it's it's harder to say he is not a hall of famer these days and he's becoming more and more obvious i think beltray takes it even to another level above cranky though he does no i like both of those comps whitaker and cranky those are those are kind of perfect and yeah that that late bloomer um you know peaking in your mid 30s again if we if we look at some of the the people I think of as the all-time greats, a lot of times, you know, they're winning their MVPs. They're having some of their best seasons in their 20s, in their mid-20s. For Beltre, again, to kind of figure it all out. And again, he starts at 19. So that's over 10 years in the league before some of these best seasons come out. And then he sustains it through Texas, um, allowed him to put up the numbers he did, which again, Adam, we're doing a great job. We haven't mentioned one of these career numbers, these shiny mm-hmm. career numbers he has um throughout so far so i think we're doing great on that we will but um good job by us but let's move to our next segment that memorable moment so for any new time listeners this is where i'm going to ask adam you know if we had to pick out a specific it can, it can be a game it can be a single play a playoff series it could be an entire season if you really wanted to but Adam, if I asked you to pick out, you know, what's Beltre's most memorable moment, at least to you, what would you say it was? I have a couple, and uh, I guess one has to do with on-field play, and one has to do with on-field, well, it's playfulness, I guess you could say. Um, The the first one, World Series Game 5 in 2011, Yep. He hits that massive home run uh, that ties the game four to four in the top of the seventh. Um, no, wait. No, that's I, game I, six. No, oh, yeah. I, I'm getting You're ahead okay. of myself with my You're notes good. there because I, I had to talk about that one, too. But uh, yes, yeah, so he, he hits the home run uh, to tie the game two to two in the sixth. My bad. And Texas takes the three to two series lead because they win yep. that game. Like it's a massive home run for the franchise. And in Adrian Beltre style, he hits this home run on one knee. Like this was like the type of stuff that you just go nuts for. Like he hits a home run on a knee. It's this massive home run, maybe the biggest home run in the franchise's history at the time. When, uh, whenever I do one of these, that memorable moments, the first thing I do is I, I I go to, I go to Stathead being the good company guy there, go to Stathead. I look up in the pivotal play finder. What are the biggest plays in the career of this player? And that home run was the number two play ever in Adrian Beltre's career by championship win probability added. And I was like, wow, what what could top that? And it was the home run the next day that actually topped it. And that one uh, tied the game four to four in the seventh, as I was starting to say. Uh, No, it was was tied four to four and he hit the go ahead home run to take the five to four lead. But that was the Dave Freeze game uh, where he uh, hit the home run in the 11th to tie the series. And then they won it again in the seventh. So like, the fact that it was such a huge moment and the fact that he did it on one knee and that the, like established a style. And now if you look up Adrian Beltre, one knee home run, you can see a whole bunch of hits on, on YouTube. And I think that's the oldest one I saw. So I don't know if it was the, I don't think it was the first time he ever did it, but it was like the, the first that, that, you know, made its, its rounds on social media and YouTube and, and the like. 
Yeah, those home runs stick out to me. That's actually what I had down. And I think, you know, if the Rangers, again, the Cardinals end up winning that series in, in, in seven games, and if the Rangers would have won their first World Series then instead of now, I think those Beltre home runs would be remembered much more. And, and I don't think they're forgotten, but the, the losers' big home runs aren't remembered like the winners' big playoff mm-hmm. moments. You got to win the series, and that's no fault of Beltre at all. Again, he played his part here. But those home runs in back-to-back games should be something I feel like most people talk about quite a bit when we're talking about October success or, you know, coming up big in big moments. But to be known as a guy who came up in big moments, it's a team game and your team kind of has to win the World Series. Uh, Unless you're Carlton Fisk. Everyone remembers that home run, even though they didn't win the series. I don't know if Beltre is going to be that famous in terms of these home runs. But again, back-to-back games having those pitiful home runs, it did show when he did get the postseason because he never won a World Series, but when he was in those big moments, he was performing and in pure Beltre fashion, he was doing it kind of in a stylish way on on the knee because that is kind of a trademark that is associated with him. Yeah, I I think that we, we got to remember too earlier in that postseason, uh, he had a three home run game in the division yes. series as well. So the he doesn't have the best career postseason stats, but yep. 2011, he he was he was on fire. Like if if the Rangers go on to win that World Series, he could possibly. I don't. I haven't looked at too too closely, but he had to be in consideration for MVP because those home runs turned the series around. The only thing is, uh, other home runs turned the series back around. But to have a series go from tied to in the lead just for mere home runs, that that's that's huge. Yeah, I think I so I pulled it up because I was like, yeah, who would have won if they would have won? There's Mike Napoli had a hell of a, a series, mm. uh, you know, 1.164 OPS in that series. He was, he was slugging it. Um, God, Josh Hamilton was on that team. Michael Young, Ian Kinsler. That was a fun team. The that offense good, on that, that team a, is that ridiculous. Was a great <laughs> offense. Yeah, that was, that, was some, that was some peak offense there. But um, yeah, whether or not, you know, that is definitely his playoff moment. Adam, I'm sorry. At the beginning, did you say you had a defensive moment you want to call out too? It's it's not defensive. It's a it's just not a hitting moment because okay. he was in the on deck circle. Okay. And this was when uh, Jerry Davis uh, called him over and said, "You've got to be in the on deck circle." And Adrian Beltre just said, "Okay." So he picked up the on deck circle and dragged it to where he was and stepped on it, and he got ejected for this. And he was. <laughs> his manager got ejected to was a banister at the time. And he was just explaining afterwards. He's like, he, he told me I have to stand on the circle. So I was just doing what he told me to do. I was putting he's and he had a really good point. He's like, I have been hit by foul balls standing there. This is a left-handed batter. I'm not going to stand right in the the spot where a line drive is going to come and hit me. And yeah. And, and it was just a, such a bizarre moment that like, and, and I think the game was like an 18 to four game or something at the time too. And he drags the circle and Jerry Davis has so little sense of humor in him that he ejects Adrian Beltre for this in a blowout game, a guy showing some personality and it's something I'll always remember. <laughs> I do remember that. That is again, as you mentioned before, Beltre had a lot of fun playing baseball. The, these are some of those moments. And um, I think, I don't know as someone who's just a fan of the game and enjoys being at the ballpark. Like you like to see that. And I think that sometimes like, I feel like we usually focus on like when we're talking about hall of fame cases, especially like it's more like from a negative standpoint, if a player, you know, seems in a bad mood all the time or doesn't get along with the media or is mean to fans, like it's a negative, but we never, I don't feel like we talk sometimes enough about the positives of a player like Beltre who, you can tell enjoys playing, has fun, um, you know, takes the game seriously, but still is like a kid out there because it's a kid's game. And again, I'm a Chicago guy. We, of course, have Ernie Banks that we, you know, he's very, he's the Chicago baseball guy. If we're talking about Chicago baseball history and that guy loved playing baseball. And that's why he was so beloved by this city. And I think Adrian Beltre had that same kind of love for the game, which isn't kind of infectious and it, and it makes you root for him. Definitely. I mean, there's, there's so many things. It's not just dragging on deck circles. It's the the fun he had with like Elvis Andrews when yep. he would like, every time Elvis is going to catch a pop-up, he, uh, Adrian they is also 
positioning himself under it and they're just going back and forth throwing his glove at Andrews when there's like a mound meeting and uh, just the, the touching of the head in the dugout where he flips out every time somebody touches his head. So all the teammates are, are, you know, plotting their, their uh, point of pouncing on him by touching his head. And then Adrian freaks out and it's all a lot of fun. It's, it's just something that you, you don't, I love when the personalities come out and nobody did it uh, in the modern game quite like Adrian Beltre. No, I completely agree. So Adam, let's move on. Uh, next segment is called and twins. So I'm very interested to see who you came up with here. Any new time listeners, all we do here is we look at Cooperstown today. We look at the plaques in Cooperstown. And again, there's never identical twins. But if you were to talk about, you know, who's the closest to being Beltre's twin, either by, you know, statistics, the way they played, it's usually a little mix of both. You know, who's the closest twin? So, Adam, the question to you, and then I'll reveal who I have. Who do you have down for Adrian Beltre's Cooperstown twin? Mm. Yeah, this this one this is always so hard and, and it's usually because I'm, I'm picking a player that's so far from uh, anybody that's in Cooperstown. Like, you know, who's Gene tennis like, uh, or who's, uh, who's, who's really like Rick Rushell. Uh, although he, he was an easier call, but yeah, we've got Adrian Beltre today. This is an all time great. Yeah. So I have a couple, uh, certainly one name in particular that I would call an all time great. And I'm thinking, can I really compare a player th- this, this great to Adrian? I think I can. The name I have is Roberto Clemente. Wow. And I love the, that. They have similar value. They are the only two players in history that have, uh, for the batting and fielding component of war, that are plus 200 runs in batting and plus 200 runs in fielding. The only two in history. I love that. Clemente was a better hitter. I will say that. He, uh, yep. you know, he, on a rate basis, he, he hit better. Um, even though Beltre has more hits, more home runs and all of that. Uh, Clemente also had a lot more accolades. He had more all-star appearances. He had more gold gloves, I believe. He had, you know, a lot more, uh, uh, you know, all of those things. He was recognized a lot more throughout his entire career. Sure. They had they had a similar career shape. I would say that Clemente offensively was peaking in the 30s as well. So he's another guy that that was trending upwards towards the end of his career. He was more of a a defense first pretty good hitter early on but then as his career went on and really up to the point that he he unfortunately passed away uh his his offense was climbing so that's that's the the first one i came up with i thought about some others like like uh maybe carly Yastrzemski or al kaline but i felt like they were both great defenders not on beltre's level but they were significantly better hitters than than beltre and then I have another that I was like, can I try to get a third baseman? Because that's that's where he plays. And, sure. um, you know, maybe Brooks Robinson would have worked because they both played a long time and put up some pretty good hitting totals while maybe not having the best rates. And they were, I think, the two best defensive third basemen in history. Uh, I also came up with Paul Molitor, uh, who played oh, okay. some at third base. And, and one thing that... You know, he he has the 3000 hits. He was also better in his 30s. That's more because of the injuries that he had in his 20s. And once he came off the field and, and was a designated hitter, he was able to stay healthy more often, not even close to Beltre as a defender. So, you know, those are some of the other names I, I went with, but I kept going back to Roberto Clemente. And I'm curious what you've got. So I first of all, I love Roberto Clemente. I something you you mentioned briefly, like you talked about the defense and offense, the having both um you know clemente in my head adam one of the strongest arms probably in mlb history and adrian beltre was able to play such good third base because his arm was so Mm -hmm. strong i mean one of the strongest arms we're going to talk a little bit like is he one of the best defensive third baseman of all time but his arm might be one of the strongest arms ever to play the position i mean i was as i watched him throughout his career he would throw out runners that I thought had to be safe because of the amount of time it was taking him to like get to the ball and like throw it over the, like the amount of time he could make up on a play because of his arm strength. 
not many other third basemen have ever done. And Roberto Clemente and me maybe has a top four right field arm of all time. So honestly, when you said that outside of just all the great comparisons you made, I was just thinking like strongest arms to ever play defense in major league baseball. Those are two of the guys. So, mm-hmm. and then you count, you know, 3000 hit club members, obviously Beltre had a lot more power, Clemente had a lot more speed with all of his triples. I really like the comp. Um, so I have someone down and I want to explain myself because I, I, I didn't think this was where I was going to get, but this is where I am. And now I'm pretty comfortable here, Adam. I want you to poke holes in it if you feel like you should. Um, I went with someone who just, just got in the hall of fame. So if we did this podcast a year ago, we, we couldn't, we couldn't do this yet. So maybe that's why I waited. And it's Scott Rowland, uh, you know, class of 2023 third baseman. Uh, who played during Beltre's air. Now, Scott Rowland obviously did not play anywhere near as many games as Beltre. He played almost 900 games less than Beltre. And he doesn't have those great all-time career numbers in terms of, you know, home runs, hits, any of that. But this is a guy who was, you know, a above average hitter. So not as good a hitter as Beltre, but above average hitter. And then I would say on defense, I would honestly give the slight edge to Roland over Beltre. That's my opinion, but I give the edge slightly rolling over Beltre. So I think it's a guy who could hit and field. Again, he played many fewer games than Beltre, but his rate numbers are all higher than Beltre's other than batting average. So Roland had a higher on base slugging OPS and OPS plus again, Roland in about 900 fewer games, his wars 70 Beltre is 93. So again, that's what I think really got the ball rolling on Roland's Hall of Fame case is how high that war was because of his defense. And then if you, if you look at the accolades, right, Roland did win a World Series. Beltre played in a World Series but didn't win. You know, Roland seven all-star appearances, Beltre four. Roland eight gold gloves, Beltre five. And Adam, all I could think of is Roland is like Beltre is basically to me if Roland could have stayed healthy throughout his career and had a long career, like Beltre is basically a healthy Roland. Because if you look at their per 162 game average, they are eerily similar. Uh, on a per 162 game average, Beltre would hit 35 doubles a year. Roland would hit 41 doubles a year. Home runs, Beltre would hit 26 a year. Roland, 25 a year. RBIs, Beltre, 94. Roland, 102. Walks, Beltre 47, uh, Roland 71. And then again, I think their defense, I give the slight edge to Roland. It's probably a wash though, most people you ask. I bet people could go both ways. So to me, Beltre is just rolling with longevity, which is why Roland, I think was, I don't want to say a controversial pick, but there's a lot of people not happy with Scott Roland in the Hall of Fame, where I think you ask that same fan that has a problem with Roland in the Hall of Fame, they're telling you Beltre is a slam dunk. And that is because Beltre did stay healthy and he did play a long time. And he did hit some of these numbers that few people have hit while playing all-time defense at third. Roland just didn't get to that level of games played. But while he was healthy, I think he was just as good, if not even maybe the slightest edge better than Beltre. But I have to really think about that. This is more of a thought I've had the last week or so as I've, I've been preparing for this. But that's where I came up with. So please poke holes in anything I said because I might be going a little out of bounds on this one. No, this is the this is an interesting one. I think I stayed away from it just because of the huge difference in volume of career. That's completely. But I fair. think I think you have a, a pretty good. I mean, it it's almost. 4,000 plate appearances. It, it's it's almost like Beltre is 1.4 Rollins or yeah. like based on. And I think that that's actually a, a really good comp because Roland, like his, his hitting numbers are a little bit better, but if he did have more playing time, those right, would yeah. have gone down. And then I think he would match Beltre a lot more too. I think Roland's defensive numbers may have gone down as well. I, I'm not sure who I could pick as the the better defender. I just said a, a moment ago that Beltre was one of the top two, and 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 I think that uh, obviously the first one is Brooks. Roland is is up there. I'm going to tell you right now. I was one of the people who were very very much in favor of Scott Roland. I 
don't see a reasonable argument to keep him out. Any generation Scott Rowland gets in the Hall of Fame, you don't even have to look at defense, like the batting stats, like anything. There's, there's no way he's not a Hall of Famer. And Beltre, I think if you look at it as him being 1.4 or 1.3 Rollins, it's not bad. I, I'm I'm having a hard time poking holes. Uh, I think that uh, you're onto something here. The per 162 numbers are are pretty similar. The biggest difference is that um, Roland had much better plate discipline. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know that that's something that over time with the 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 drop off that Roland would have been expected to have if he played as long as Beltre uh, might have evened itself out a little bit. That's yeah, a good one. I like it. All right, so Adam, let's move to our final segment, Court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! So we're going to do a lot of fun stuff here with Court. I want to talk a lot about legacy with Belcher. I'm going to put you on the spot a lot. Before I do that, I, I want to end the podcast on like all the legacy stuff and all that. So before we get to all that kind of good stuff, I want to call something out that I just as I looked at who I was going to do podcasts on this winter and I was looking at the ballad and, you know, who could I maybe shoehorn in for an episode that many people wouldn't expect, right? Every Beltre, Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, don't worry, everyone, like we're going to have pods on all of those guys, of course. But I was like, you know, could I do a Matt Holiday pod or an Adrian Gonzalez pod and make that, you know, entertaining. But anyway, I was looking at the ballot. Um, and again, there's there's 26 players on the ballot. And I just started to look at where Beltre ranked in the offensive categories, right? And again, for the cumulative categories, I mean, he's he's where you'd expect, right? Hits all time, he or hits on the ballot. So 26 people are on the ballot. Some are pitchers, but hits he's the most. Um, RBIs, he's third. Home runs, he's fourth. Uh, runs, he's fifth. War, he's second. Jaws, he's second. Seven-year war run, he's third. That's what you'd expect from Beltre on this ballot. And again, people like A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, they're on this ballot still. Mm -hmm. But then I go to the rate numbers. And again, he played for a very long time, but I am actually surprised at him how far he is down here. So again, out of the 26 people on the ballot, and some of them are pitchers, he's, he's the 11th highest batting average, the 11th highest slugging percentage, the 14th highest OPS, the 14th highest OPS plus, and the 15th highest on-base percentage just on this ballot of 26 people with, again, a good number of pitchers on there. So again, his his we're never going to, like, the guy hit 477 home runs. He hit 3,166 hits. He hit well over 600 doubles, over 1,700 RBIs. I'm finally throwing out the numbers because I even feel guilty drawing attention to this. But when you're just looking at this and like the people above him are people that honestly, Adam, they're not going to make the cut. A lot of these guys, they're not going to mm -hmm. make 5% yet. He ranks that, you know, low on some of this stuff. One, does that surprise you? He's that low out of these candidates. And, and two, do we chalk this up simply as, you know, he played for a very long time, even though the end of his career, like it was a good career is it just, you know, the guy didn't walk much and have great plate discipline and that's probably his biggest knock? Or are you a little surprised he's that far down among these candidates? I think that it illustrates the hole that he dug himself into with some of those tough years in, in LA and then Seattle. Because from that age 31 season in Boston on, his OPS plus, and we're talking to the end of his career when he's supposed to be being bad is 130. And that yeah. that flies up the chart. So yeah. it shows the the hole that he dug himself into. And does it surprise me? I mean, I've been looking at his numbers every day for years. So th these haven't surprised me. Sometimes it does surprise me when I, like an Adrian Gonzalez or a Matt Holiday hits the ballot. And I'm like, oh, that OPS plus is pretty high. But, you know, Adrian Belcher was a great, uh, Adrian Gonzalez was a great defender, but at first base, Matt Holiday wasn't much of a defender. And, you know, he was hitting in, in, in cores, which I'm okay with. I know that OPS plus adjusts for that, but he was also an outfielder. Like there's, 
there's so much more that Beltre brings with his defense. We're talking top two, three, maybe five defensive third basemen of all time. I think if you go to to five, I think it's pretty safe. I don't think anyone's really going to argue there, but maybe we'll, maybe you've got a list for me later. We'll I'm going to force you to, I'm going to force you to pick in a second. So um, no, 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 I, I, yeah, I just, I guess I was a little thrown off by that to be honest, but again, like you look at some of those hitters, a lot of them played, you know, a t- games played, it's not even close played appearances, not even close. Obviously, if they maybe played a little longer, those all go down. But I was thrown off by that. And then the final thing I want to get to before we get into some of the fun stuff here, you brought up earlier. Um, In 2004, when he had that huge season in the Dodgers, he led the NL in home runs with 48, hit 120 RBIs, had a 334 batting average. He had a nice uh, on-base percentage that year of 388. OPS plus of 163, finished again second in MVP vote. Won a silver slugger. Did not make the All-Star game that year. He didn't make his first All-Star game till he was 31 years old. Looking at that ballot again, there's 26 people on the ballot, including Beltre. Adam, where just wildly guess here, but where do you think he um, ranks on All-Star appearances among those 26 players on the ballot? Oh, he's he's not going to be high. I'm going to not look at it. He I only had 26 had four, players. He only had four. Yep. Gosh, yep. I'm going to say that he's probably in the 18 to 20 range. He's tied for 18th most all-star appearances on this bout with Jose Reyes with four. Um, so there's a t- I mean, there's players you'd expect to have more like an A-Rod, a Manny Ramirez, a, maybe a Gary Sheffield. But then there's players like, you know, like Mark Burley is someone when I did the pot, I'm like, oh, he only made five all-star teams. He he made more. Jose Batista made six. Matt Halliday made seven. David Wright made seven. Um, Beltre had a career that is, again, one of the all-time great careers. And I think there's several years like that MVP runner-up season, the guy easily should have been all-star. So my question to you, Adam, is like, why did Peltre not make more all-star appearances? Was Do you feel like he just wasn't well-known enough? Was there just a weird situation at third base every time he came up? Four seems low for a player of his caliber. And if you look at Hall of Famers today at third base that have played during the all-star game era, that's, if he, let's be honest, when he gets in the Hall of Fame, he will have the lowest amount of all-star appearances by a third baseman in the Hall of Fame during the all-star game air. Why do you think so low? Because it is odd. Like, it does stand out and it is odd. What do you think it is? I looked into some of this because it, it, it's baffling. Like, 2004, yeah. in the first half, he hit 326 with 22 home runs and 56 runs batted in. In 2013, he hit 316 with 21 home runs and 55 runs batted in in the in the first half he ended up leading the league in hits he was not an all-star 2015 he definitely slumped in the first half but finished strong so there there's one season there where he did slump um gosh so much to say about the the all-stars um when he got to texas and i think a lot of it is all-stars heavily based on reputation and he he just did not have that reputation up until that Boston year where they had to make him an all-star just because uh, he was on, wait, was he an all-star in Boston? He uh, was, that was yes. his first year. Yes. That, that was, was the, the first, first time one. he ever made it. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that one was the first time he ever did it. The, the first few years in Texas, uh, the, those years I mentioned earlier, the 32 to 37 age uh, years, he was an all-star only three times. The, uh, the, what was it? Three times that he wasn't an all-star. He finished seventh in MVP voting all three years, seventh, 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 the three years that he wasn't an all-star, which to me looks like a, oops, <laughs> we screwed up on that all-star thing. You're one of the seven best players in the league. Like, uh, I don't know if that's, that's like a, another way to to look at like 
that they were probably mistakes is, is yeah. the fact that he finished top seven. So there aren't too many times that it works out like that, where a player is not an all-star and it, it makes up for it in the, the MVP voting. But we have three seventh place finishes in a four year span right here when he's not uh, being named to all-star games. And some of it too, like I was, I forget exactly who it was, but Miguel Cabrera was playing third base at the time. And, and he was competing with him uh, before he moved over to first base. Um, I, I can't remember who else he was competing with, but he should have been something more like a eight or nine time all-star probably. All right, let's move to the fun stuff here. I have two different lists we're going to go through and this is how it's going to work. Um, since I've last had you on, we've kind of do this a little different. And it's much better than the way I used to do it. So that that's good. So first we're going to talk about the best defensive third baseman of all time. You were kind of toying around like where would Beltre fall where I'm going to kind of make you answer right now, sort of. Um, what I'm going to do is I have a list here. I think of nine or 10 names. I think people in consideration for best defensive third baseman of all time. And basically I'm going to walk through these names and let's, for example, my first guy here is Brooks Robinson. If you thought Beltre was a better defender than Brooks Robinson, you're going to say Beltre. I assume you would say Brooks Robinson. So if that's, I assume you would think it's Brooks Robinson. So if you do, you're just going to say Brooks or Robinson. Does that make sense? It does. I will preface this by saying defense is a little bit harder to quantify when you're talking about people across uh, the different generations and stuff. I want your gut instinct when okay. I say these names. And I know, Adam, you've thought of this at some point. You, 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 so mm -hmm. you can't, there's no wrong answers here. Just your gut instinct. Best defense third baseman of all time. If I say Brooks Robinson, is it Brooks Robinson or Beltre? Brooks Robinson. Okay. Buddy Bell. I think it's Adrian Beltre. Okay. But I'm not positive. Nope. We're going to go with Beltre there. Cleet Boyer. I think it's Beltre. Craig Nettles. I think it's Beltre, but that's another good one. Scott Rowland. Spoiler alert, these are my two and three. Um, but I'm going to go, you know, on, on a rate basis, I, I might go Roland. Okay. Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Depends how he bounces back. This was a down year defensively, so I'm going to still say that Beltre is in the lead, but Arenado is the only active player probably that I could see taking his place. Okay. Mike Schmidt. Best all-around third baseman this ever. This is strictly defensive. Strictly defensive, I'm going to go with Beltre. Okay. Robin Ventura. Another great one, but I'm going Beltre. Wade Boggs. I like him. Underrated, but going Beltre. Ken Boyer. Beltre. Eric Chavez. Ooh, I love Eric Chavez, but it's Beltre. Okay. So... Is there any names that really jump out? I didn't ask because that's my list. Um, I mean, there's like the the Placido Polancos and Gary Gaetis of the world, but I don't think that they're they're quite in that conversation. Okay, well, by this quick fire, then we're gonna say that Beltre was is the third best defensive third baseman of all time, which would easily make him on Rushmore, which you know I like to build all the time. So. We're going to put him as the third best defensive third baseman of all time at the moment. All right. Best all around third baseman. So just best third baseman of all time. We're building a baseball third base Rushmore. I want to see if you think he deserves to be on it. So now we're going to have some all, you know, the all time names here. And this is hitting, batting, base running, everything it is. Just who do you think's the greatest? So same type of deal, same game, Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt is number one. Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews is number two. Wade Boggs. In your Twitter poll, I admit that Boggs is the one I voted for. So okay. I'm going to go with Boggs. George Brent. Beltre. Ooh, Royals fans are uh, not happy. Chipper and, Jones. And I love George Brett, but oh, these are all timers. You these yeah. are all no we do not think any of these players are bad. Just these are all timers. Chipper Jones. 
I think Chipper's offense was just too strong to to not put him. So I'm picking Chipper. Okay. Ron Santo. It's Beltre. I love Santo, but it's Beltre. Brooks Robinson. Beltre. Scott Rowland. Beltre. Nolan Arenado. Beltre, but to be determined. I, I, okay. uh, it's probably still going to be Beltre, but okay, a lot, a lot of ground to make up. So we have him just outside Rushmore. So Rushmore for you, at least in this very just forced thing I'm making you do without giving you a heads up. You have Mike Schmidt, Eddie Matthews, Way Boggs, and Chipper Jones. And then fifth best third baseman of all time would be Adrian Beltre. And I, I will, um, if people are angry at me about this, I will say that the way I would look at it is <laughs> that Mike Schmidt, clear number one, Eddie Matthews, closer, uh, less less clear number two. And then three to six is a block of of four incredible third basemen. And that's Beltre, Boggs, Brett, and Jones. I, I can't really pick. I'm only picking because you made me. I, I, made, then, I literally made you do this. And I think those four are enough above the next three who I would say are Robinson, Roland, and Santo. And just for everyone listening, if you're thinking like, oh, like, is Adam wrong here? Is he right here? Like, just all-time rankings among third basemen. So Beltre is going to be first in hits, first in RBIs. Uh, he's going to be second in defensive war, second in doubles. He's going to be third in runs, third in overall war. He's going to be fourth in jaws. He's going to be third in home runs. I mean, he's in the top five in basically every offensive category you're going to think of in top two in a lot of them. And then as Adam said, you know, he's probably one of the top three, four defensive third basemen of all time. In addition to all those hitting numbers, it's hard to get mad at you, Adam, for having Beltre top five. I, I don't think anyone's going to come after you on that one. Can we can so, we say again though he's number one among third basemen in hits? Yes. Also number one among third basemen in total bases. Number yes. one among third basemen in extra base hits. Yes, like that's all those above at the entire while playing, position while while playing all time D right while right. playing all time D. Um, and I, I I think there's a lot of people that will vote for Beltre. I don't know if there's a lot of people that truly feel he's a top five all time at his position, but yeah. he is. <laughs> he, the, the numbers are there. Uh, it's, it's right there. And he did it both ways, which again, is not always the case. Sometimes someone's, you know, like a Brooks Robinson, right? All time defender, but hitting, you know, he was fine, but he's not, you know, Chipper Jones. And then you have people like Chipper Jones, mm -hmm. who was an all time hitter, but his defense was fine. Those guys that could do both. It's, it's few and far between like Mike Schmidt could do both. Wade Boss can do both. Nolan Arenado does both. It's that two-way, just like in basketball, it, it, it's a big deal. And when someone does both things at an elite level, it, it really stands out. So, Adam, before we get to final verdict, which is going to be a little different this time around, I want to ask you one more thing. So, we're we're finally talking a lot about numbers now, as we should. And again, Beltre is part of the 3,000 hit club, right? 3,166, he's 18th all time. 636 doubles, he's 11th all-time. You know, RBIs, he's 25th all-time with just over 1,700. And home runs, he's just behind Fred McGriff here. Uh, 477 home runs, 31st all-time. And then if you look at his third base numbers, if you care about, like, total zone runs at third base, he's second all-time with 168. His numbers, Adam, I, I guess, like, you know, he played in 2,933 games. That's 15th all-time. He's the ninth all-time in at-bats. I guess 93.5 or 27th by position player. If I asked you, though, because, again, this is a career, right? I call it the Michael Myers career. It just kind of ebbed and flow. And there's a time where, you're like, it was a hipster thought that Beltre could be in the Hall of Fame. Now it's more of a, okay, this guy's in the 3,000 hit club. He's a slam dunk Hall of Fame guy. But still, after all this time, like, which one of his career numbers stands out to you the most? whether it's like it surprises you the most or it's the thing that you think Beltre should hang his hat on the most out of all those all time numbers, I guess, which number stands out to you the most, which number is like, Whoa, I I'm still kind of in disbelief. That's correct. Yeah. That that's a really great question. I, I think that the hits 
and the total bases, I think like they, the, the first all time for a third baseman, they, they blow you away, but still you were, I don't know. I don't want to say you. I was thinking, well, one of the things that Beltre didn't do a lot was walk, which lets you get more hits, lets you get more total bases. Uh, But so I I guess the one that surprised me the most was that he's first all time among third basemen in extra base hits. Mm. Because the 636 doubles, like doubles are underrated. They're halfway to a home run. If you get 636 of them, you know, that's... (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot and you know he also had the 477 home runs you know one thing i definitely have wanted to say the whole time about adrian beltre is like how often do you get a guy that's 15th all time in games and when he retired i was shocked i was like what do you mean adrian beltre is retiring he's only 39 and i'll tell you why i thought um i thought that he was going to move to first base play seven more years past 4,000 hits. Wow. And like, he's, did you see him throw out the first pitch in the world? He's a specimen now. Why did he stop playing? He could like, if Julio Franco could do it, like Adrian Beltre was going to be Julio Franco, you know, next level and, and play, you know, somewhere first base scooping up balls like crazy and, you know, playing another seven years. I thought for sure he was going to get his 4,000 hits, 600 home runs, but unfortunately he he decided he was done. Uh, I The game did not tell him he was done. He, he, he decided that he was done. He clearly had more left. He was, you know, he set, uh, he set the, like the, the record for uh, fielding runs for a, a, a third baseman at, at age 37, he set the, the record for 37-year-old third baseman, not all third basemen, but like he, he was like the best defensive 37-year-old third baseman ever. Uh, and he kept, he had nine runs the next year in just 94 games. And, you know, he dipped to two and in, 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 I'm not going to say his last year wasn't, you know, a, a down year, but I think, you know, still 273, 15 home runs and a positive defender, he could still stretch that into many, many more years. So I was surprised. I, I, thought for sure he was going to be a 4,000 hit man, but uh, you know, he still has all of these amazing numbers for us to talk about today. All right, Adam. So final verdict here. So there's any new listeners. What I usually ask my guests here at the end is, you know, do you think Adrian Beltre should be in the hall of fame? And do you think Adrian Beltre will get in the hall of fame? Um, I've gotten to know Adam pretty well over the years. I also, um, know the candidacy of Adrian Beltre. I'm going to answer these for both of us. It's yes, he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and yes, he will get in the Hall of Fame. And then also, yes, it'll be this year. He's getting in the Hall of Fame. This was yeah. as much a tribute pod and a legacy pod than anything else. But how can you not get to talk about Adrian Beltre? It's fun. Of course, we're going to do a pod on him, even though it's obvious here. So, Adam, my my question here at the end and we already talked about like all-time third baseman. We had Beltre fifth, so we answered that question. But my other question comes down to the voting this year. Mm-hmm. And we both agree that Beltre is going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. But people are starting to talk about, you know, what percentage of the votes is he going to get? Um, we know only one player in baseball history has gotten 100% of the vote. Um, there was talk like, will Beltre be the second? I, I don't believe that's the case. I have a number in my head or a rough round number in my head. I think he is going to get, but my question to you at the end here, since the other questions are easily answered is what percentage of the vote do you think Adrian Beltre will get this year, um, by the voters? It's a great question. Do I have faith in uh, he's not going to get a hundred percent obviously yeah. i think the next player that has a chance at it is ichiro yes and that'll be interesting to see in terms of like recent first ballot uh hall of famers like ortiz was 77.5 halliday was 85.4 uh, i think jeter was 99.7 or he missed by like Nine, one jeter just missed one vote right yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Halliday only being 85, I think Halliday was about a, a sure thing as you could get, but like pitchers just get underrated. I guess a, a good one to look at might be Chipper. He was 97.2. Do I think he will get as high as Chipper? 
no. At first I was I was going to say 92, but I think I should say 95. Uh, there's there's no reason not to vote for Adrian Beltre. There was no reason not to vote for Chipper Jones. I'm going to go with 95. I have the feeling I might be a little bit disappointed by that. Uh, what, what it ends up being like there, there might be some out there that still think, I don't know that, you know, <laughs> that he was a, a lousy player with the Mariners. And let me like read you one of these lousy seasons that he had with the Mariners, you know, with the Mariners, he was so lousy, but all he did was, uh, you know, hit 276 with 41 doubles, 26 home runs, 99 RBIs, 14 stolen bases while winning the gold glove. And his time in, in Seattle is like a disaster. Like that's the type of disaster we're talking about. Adrian Beltre should be 95%. Okay. So um, I think it's going to be the nineties. For some reason, my gut's telling me like, it's going to be like 92. I think it's going to be 92. I, you know, we, we look at ballots every year. Some people don't vote for anyone some year. Some people have very odd criteria. It's it's a, the the voters, you know, sometimes I feel like there's no rhyme or reason for what they do. And if I'm looking at past, like, again, as you said, I, I don't think he's gonna get more than Chipper. Um, 92 is the number I'm landing. I guess I don't have a good methodology behind it. I think it'll be above 90, but under 95. If I had to get like a range, I think it's that 90 to 95 range, not the 95 to 100 and not the 85 to the 89. I think it's that 90, 95 range, which you and I both fit in. So right. um, we will see what happens. Maybe the voters will surprise us, but to your point, there's not really a reason. Like the guy's a hall of famer. He's ending up in the hall of fame. We're talking about a top five third baseman of all time. People find ways not to vote at him, but I, I don't, I don't understand for the life of me. I, I might need to find one of them that don't vote and give him on the pod and maybe discuss this as a follow-up to this pod but we will know soon enough but at the end of the day Beltre is a hall of famer and he will be getting in this year yep and yeah i think 92 to 95 is exactly what that that ratio or uh, that um, area that we're looking at here so he's he's so special and i'm excited to to celebrate his career and see him give a what's probably going to be a, a great induction speech and there will be lots of great clips to watch from Cooperstown of all the things that he's doing uh he's he's just wonderful all right and we'll appreciate you coming on always have a blast when you come on and love just talking baseball before we get you out of here I know there's a lot of great things going over at Stathead and in base and in sports reference anything you want to plug here at the end Gosh, uh, just just today we launched. Uh, a, a, it's not very often where we launch a new sport. We launched uh, Stathead for FB Ref, our world's football or soccer site. So that's uh, that's some big uh, big news over here. So if you got any uh, soccer fans over there, which um, I, I know a few soccer fans in Chicago area there near you, so I'm sure there's a lot out there. You can give it a try. It's free right now. Um, we're going to be just getting as many people using it as possible and. and kicking the tires and checking it out it's i don't if soccer data is different than baseball data it's it's always been behind these paywalls that only like clubs can actually uh afford so uh we're we're bringing uh high level analytics to the people uh so i'm very excited about that but yeah that's the the big thing that's going on and you know otherwise what's going on is i'm very excited about a couple other pot of fame episodes we've been discussing as well so i'm hoping to be on in the not too distant future uh, a couple episodes i'm really excited about well that's a great tease i like that um we will get you back on soon I mean, you know you're always welcome on this podcast when we can find the time to get you on um and adam where can they find you on twitter you always are tweeting out good stuff that is baseball twit. Uh, that was the 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 lousy username i picked back in 2007 and i've stuck to it there's no going back now. Well, Adam, appreciate you coming on as always. We will get you back on here to talk some baseball soon, but have a great rest of your week. Um, and we'll talk soon. All right. I want to thank Adam again for coming on the podcast. Talk about Adrian Beltre. Of course, this was a slam dunk case, uh, but again, Love talking baseball with Adam. Adrian Beltram, I'm not going to skip out on getting, you know, to spend an hour talking about his career, his his great career and his, you know, legacy. Um, so I'm really glad we had time to do that. 
Um, thank you all for listening. I hope everyone's having you know a great holiday um, holidays with the family. If, if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a great Christmas. Um, if you're traveling, please be safe. Um, we will be back with another podcast um, next week, and it's going to be January 1st. So it'll be our first podcast of 2024. We'll have a great podcast for you then. Uh, but again, appreciate you listening. If you're listening on Christmas Day, I feel pretty special about that. Um, so if you're listening on Christmas Day, enjoy the rest of your Christmas. If you're later in the week, I hope you had a great holiday. Um, and we will talk to you in 2024. So take care. Have a great week. If you're traveling, be safe. And we'll see you next year. Take care.